You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, aka Murph. I'm here to share with you interviews about biking experiences from bicyclists who have pedaled to great places all over the U.S. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to the amazing adventures people share, you may wonder, why haven't I done that? Well, on the show today, we have Rob McKillop. Hey, Rob McKillop. Hey, Kathy. How are you? Good. Really good. Um, we have to say, or I have to say, I apologize. We are on location at a local establishment here in Cedar Rapids. So there may be a little background noise. So I guess I'm acknowledging it. Let's all get used to it. And hopefully it doesn't uh, cause too many issues while we're recording. Just part of the fun. Just part of the fun. Yeah. As we clink our beer glasses together. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We were talking right before we pushed record, trying to figure out how long we've uh, been friends, and we determined that it's been almost 10 years, coming up on 10 years. Right. That's a long time. Yeah, the uh, I, I can remember uh, first meeting you on Wednesday Night Bike Club, yeah. and uh, so I was a pretty serious uh, bike racer at the time, and uh, I think you helped me uh, learn about uh, having fun on a bike. <laughs> the social side. <laughs> <laughs> you probably came all kitted up thinking that we were going to do a 100-mile ride, and we probably did 25 with three beer stops. <laughs> I still always come all kitted up. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Well, um, I want to get into, you know, the reason that you're on the podcast is because you, A, you're pretty serious about cycling, but you also have a great social side as far as biking, which is why we get to see you occasionally here in Cedar Rapids. But also the events that you've been part of are just mind blowing to me. So that's why you're on. Okay. And because you're a cool guy, right? I'll say both of those. (laughs) Well, let's start out by um, tell the listeners a little bit about where you live and what bicycling is like, like what the culture is like. Uh, so I live in Cedar Rapids, mm-hmm. just like you. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, the the culture here has really changed a lot. You know, when I uh, first moved back uh, to uh, Cedar Rapids in 2002, mm. uh, there weren't a lot of people riding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we had the big flood of 2008, kind of destroyed things. And so when I was out, would be out riding, the only time I would see other people out riding was in the build-up to Ragbri. All of a sudden, there'd be a oh, lot of really? people out there cramming to, you know, get in <laughs> yeah. shape uh, for end of July. And then um, and then it would peter off really quickly afterwards. And But it's just been really amazing. You know, I can be out riding at night in the dark, uh, you know, 10 miles up the trail, and I'll see two other people. Mm. And uh, the, the, the amount of people biking here has just really taken off. And I think part of that comes from the kind of the revitalization of the Nubo area. Sure, right? Where yeah. there's a lot of... You know, great places to go, trails that take you there and, you know, and to and from and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's just a lot of people that get introduced to bikes. And then, uh, and then you know, they're almost kind of in a parallel universe. There's, you know, bike racing. And mm-hmm. so that's going on uh, unbeknownst to most people. If it's time trial, it could be on an old deserted road somewhere or fat bike race in the, in the winter. And so those are all over the place. And, and I think that's kind of continued, although... You know, certainly fat biking and then now gravel has really taken off and mm-hmm. roads kind of diminished a little bit as people get a little bit more concerned about riding on the road just kind of in mm-hmm. general and just kind of yeah, there's, a, you know, some negativity related to road racing. and But the other kind of racing is picked up. So, uh, you know, I like all different kinds of racing and riding. And so 
all good for me. Yeah, really, you know, you mentioned about racing and like time trials and stuff that happens. And uh, the really the only time I ever know that's happening is uh, based on social media. You'll either post photos or we, we should probably give a shout out to Barry Breffel uh-huh. and Todd Brown. I'll see their photos and then be like, what? I didn't even <laughs> not that I would be somebody who would race along there, but it'd be fun to be a spectator, right. especially um, we have a race car track here mm-hmm. in Cedar Rapids. It's yeah, called right. Hawkeye Downs, mm-hmm. and I, I don't recall if it's asphalt, cement, or gr- dirt. Asphalt. Asphalt. Okay. So, obviously, cars race on there, but yep. you've been on your bike doing races. Like, you guys used to go every week or every month? Um, it's uh, been a couple of mo- a couple times a month uh, oh. times, and then it was off for a couple of years, and then now uh, uh, Crandick and uh, Goose Town have uh, picked it back up, and so the last couple of years we've been racing uh, – once a month and just like you see on tv if you happen to really like watching bike racing yeah. uh, the uh, world uh, uci uh, track racing is going on right now and so yeah. they do different kind of track races and that kind of thing and this is kind of a little bit of combination not on track bikes but mm-hmm. road bikes but i always tell people it's kind of like the cliff notes version of bike racing and because you're you know you're it's wide, there's plenty of room and uh, so you don't have to worry about smashing into people mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and but you can you know try uh, well, I'm going to just try hanging on and try to win a sprint or I'm going to try to just get away, you know, just try mm-hmm. whatever you want. And if it turns out to work, great, do more of it. If it turns out to be dumb, then try something else. <laughs> yeah, try and, something else. and you're going to race four or five times a night. It's not like the kind of thing where, well, I'm going to try this in this one triathlon that mm-hmm. I do once a year. Sure. And gosh, that didn't work this year. So maybe next year I'll try something different. You can you know, go kind of through that in a night. And it's just a great way to get introduced to bike racing. Yeah. And I will say that too, about being here in Cedar Rapids. And I would hope that uh, people listening in their hometown, it exists. But, you know, in addition to the time trial, the racing that you were mentioning, we have hundreds of miles of gravel. Like you said, people are getting a little bit more active outside of road biking because of, you know, issues with people driving distracted and those sorts of things but and then fat biking of course uh there's so there's just like all kinds of things to do on your bike and many different kinds of bikes right which brings me to my next question Uh do you remember how you first got into biking as an adult well the uh i'll share a quick story that goes a little bit farther back so uh, i when i was a you know teenager i just really you know lusted after bikes i would look in the catalogs and go in bike shops forever and ever and i mowed lawns for a couple years and shoveled snow and and i got a really nice uh road bike a jeton tour de france i think it was like a 77 or 78 as a teenager you got it to age myself yeah right okay and i loved that bike i rode it all the time and then to make my last tuition payment or college i had to sell it to my brother oh and then and i never had a bike and for almost uh was a you know i did mainly uh running and basketball and softball and you know all those kind of things volleyball uh until i was uh almost 40 and then uh bought a bike to start doing duathlons and then triathlons and then so just kind of got back into it again uh and then uh like 10 years ago i i, I went and bought the bike back for my brother so i, I was gonna say i wondered if he still had it i have it in my basement <laughs> it's not rideable but i, I was gonna I say is it, it more of a showpiece now it's more like of a showpiece. here it is <laughs> oh that is so awesome uh, but, but, you know, I just kind of started with a touring bike, you know, a road bike and a time, you know, and then, you know, now I have a bike for every kind of racing. Yeah. Maybe a few more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why do you think that you haven't settled on one part of biking, meaning uh, just road racing or just time trials or just fat biking? Like, why do you think that you've uh, maintained that interest in multiple types? Well, I like different kinds of racing, so I don't want to just do one. And, yeah. and also, they kind of vary through the year, right? And so, my big race is the Leadville 100 in August. Oh, right? yeah. And so, I try to peak for that, right? And, mm-hmm. but, and so, then my off-season is kind of September, October. And then November, I start picking back up to get be in shape for fat bike racing. And so okay. that's so it gives me a cycle. That means I don't really race cyclocross. I do a little mm-hmm. bit for fun, but that's kind of my off season, you know, mm-hmm. where I ride, but not like with a specific purpose, mm-hmm. you know, just for fun. Sure. But then, you know, fat biking, uh, gravel racing, uh, mountain biking, road riding, you know, time trials, you know, kind of fill out the whole year. So there's mm-hmm. always things to do. And I love to race and I love to have like a big event or multiple big events to kind of motivate me to get out and, mm-hmm. you know, train tonight because I got to get ready for something, something in the future yeah. versus, eh, I'll just sit around and drink beer and yeah. <laughs> not get out there, right? I mean, I, I personally really need like some sort of event in the future to really mm-hmm. motivate me and get me, you know, really out there and after it. And I think a lot of people would say that, that you right. have to have something that there's an end goal that right. kind of keeps you going. and right. But I just like all different kinds of racing. And, and I, certainly as I get older, I kind of gravitated from shorter things to really long things, mm. right? I joke that my biggest athletic uh, uh, strength right now is digestion, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a serious, uh, semi, you know, half, half fun, half serious. Yeah. Because the really long races, the, the key is to be able to eat and drink, right, no matter what. Yeah. Right? And so if you're going to do long races, so if I do a race it's a couple hours it's kind of on the line but if it's three hours four hours 10 12 hours or more then it's all about eating and drinking mm-hmm. right and if you aren't you know you're gonna be in trouble oh sure yeah i follow a lot of athletes on social media that they do talk a ton about my nutrition worked or it didn't work or right. i i didn't eat enough or i you know felt yucky from what i ate so you're right you're totally right that's a th- that's an interesting kind of thing i've learned from ragbri i'm sure you've experienced this yourself but you come into a town and you go and, and kind of everybody in your group goes i think we need something salty oh right? yeah or you come yeah. to the next town and you're like yeah, i need something sweet yeah right or i need some uh, i need a pork chop right, right? <laughs> and you know but you learn to read your body mm-hmm. right and so you, and then you really and then you ride after that and you learn because when i first started riding everybody just goes nothing but sugar right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's like after a while, that doesn't feel very good, mm-hmm. right? But on Ragbri, you kind of learn, and I'm lucky enough to have a stomach that, that handles that kind of thing. Sure. But, like, having some, you know, I'll, I'll, when I start a big race like Leadville, I'll have a ham and cheese sandwich in me, <coughs> and I'll be uh, eating that kind of stuff, you know, throughout the day, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not going to go 10 hours on goo, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that there's that many people <laughs> that can honestly, like, honestly say uh-huh. that they can eat just goo all day long. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. A quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is Thirsty Pigs, a full-service mobile event company offering beer, wine, spirits, plus catering for any event. With over 18 years of experience, this team can do it all. Find out more at thirstypigs.com. Um, you mentioned Leadville, and I've been interviewing a lot of people on this podcast who have experienced Leadville and are right. doing it again this year. So I want to get into that. But first, I want to talk about you hit on training. You know, you're right. always training for something. I'm assuming that it depends on the actual event as to how much time you spend training. But can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, as far as 
how and why you train, maybe the mental game? Um, sure. The, so I set up a, a training plan at the beginning of the year that, you know, you'll have um, typically two A races. And so, like, I have the Austin Rattler coming up at the end of March mm. is kind of a small, an A-minus race. And then my A-plus race is Leadville. And so then mm -hmm. my plan is kind of set up around that. And then I'll have B races uh, like uh, Lutzen, Dirty Kanza, you know, other races like that. They're still big races, but y you won't taper for those. Right. But you'll definitely, you know, ease back mm -hmm. going into those. And then, um, you know, we were just talking, I'm going to go to the Fat Bike Berkey this Saturday. Mm -hmm. I haven't changed my training load at all this week, but I smushed it, you know, to the beginning of the week. Right. So Give your body a little bit of a break. So my legs will be fresher, mm -hmm. right, by the mm -hmm. end of the week. And, and you, you gradually build at, uh, you know, a certain rate. You know, the, if you look at it's it's mainly volume or time, mm -hmm. but it has the amount of intensity is also a factor, sure. right? And so, sure. I you know a lot of people do use uh, various things. I use Training Peaks that just kind of tracks that, and I can monitor my fitness, and that builds over the way their al algorithm works. It builds over like a forty some day uh, period. So when you work out, it takes a while for that fitness to go away, but your fatigue. Right. The, so you kind of when you work out, you get fitness and fatigue. Right. As you but you get the fitness as you recover, as you sleep and do all those kind of things. But the, the, the fatigue decays at like a week. And so you can kind of play with those different parameters and get to where you're building over time at a certain rate that isn't too crazy that you're going to get sick or injured or burned out. Right. But hard enough and building up enough that you're you know, at peak fitness, mm -hmm. you know, by the time that event comes. Mm -hmm. So that part, you know, is easy to measure because you can always yep. be looking at where you've been, where you're, what you've done, how your body feels. How about the mental game? Like when you wake up, I guess you're retired now, so you don't right. necessarily uh, <laughs> go to work and then have to think about a workout, but what, oh my gosh, I've got six hours of pedal time today. Like how do you work through that? Um, well, the, again, it's p part of a bigger plan, right? And so that's part oh, sure. of, you know, that, I think that's what separates people who kind of want to be good at something versus who really are, mm -hmm. right? Is that if you don't really track it, I've seen this myself, right? When I was, tra you know, trained for a 5K or something like that, right? Well, I would kind of mentally track all the times I intended to work out that week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is <laughs> like right. that's so true. twice <laughs> as many times as I actually worked out. So if you actually write it down, yeah. you go, wow, you know, I, I was going to work out like five times and I really only worked out three and the one was kind of halfway, right. you know, and whatever else. But but if you really write it down, track it in a spreadsheet, you know, use, use software, you know, it really holds you accountable, right? Mm -hmm. Just like hiring a coach or, you know, whatever. But, you know, by really having it there, that really forces you to... Like today, you know, the workouts I did today are for August. Well, I mean, there's fun along the way, but right, I mean, yeah. it's ultimately for August 15th, right? And so, but I know that you have to build to get to the level of fitness for a race that big. Mm -hmm. and I need to build through the year. You mm -hmm. can't just like come July 31st, go, wow, I, I really <laughs> I need to get in shape. <laughs> <laughs> that might work for a 5K. It doesn't work for a 100-mile bike race. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so if you look at all the events that you've done over the years, you have been everywhere to do bike races or just for biking for fun. Yep. Um, you, do you have a couple places that you could point out that you just love to go there and ride, whether it's ride or race? Well, Colorado, you know, jumps out, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, you know, certainly northern Wisconsin, Minnesota. You know, I, I love Iowa, but, you know, we ha that black dirt that we have here, you know, makes for a lot of muddy sure. you know, conditions <laughs> that ends up getting races canceled, mm -hmm. you know, whereas other places, Colorado, obviously the scenery is spectacular. And, and I've really fallen in love with Leadville 
you know, the Leadville 100 mm-hmm. and the series and that kind of thing and just the whole mindset around it, mm-hmm. you know, about not quitting and and dig deep and all those kind of things. It's really, you know, that having done an Ironman and then moving to that, like I think a lot of people have, Ironman is more corporate and more, still a huge effort and huge training, but the Leadville thing is more kind of like you're part of a family. Oh, and sure. So, so uh, it's something that I really resonates with me. And so I really got addicted to it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go in for my seventh uh, uh, buckle this year. And so, the, you know, obviously I've uh, become uh, very infatuated with yeah. that race. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention that the trophy or the award when you make the Leadville 100 cutoff is a is literally a belt buckle, right? right. Yep. And then also if you place like in your age group or... It, under a certain time, do you get a second buckle? A certain time, yeah. So if, if you if you finish in under 12 hours, you get a belt buckle. And so I have six of those. Awesome, right? yeah. Uh, but if you finish in under nine hours, then you get the big belt buckle. And oh. I have none of those. So Okay, yeah. but, so know, there's... But my first year of retirement, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah. But I think that's, uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, a little bit of a moonshot here. But if you make it to 10, then you still get a big belt buckle, so... I still have that in front of me. 10 Leadville 100s? Yeah, you get a 1,000-mile buckle. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Well, when you uh, talk about all these events, obviously you ride different bikes for each type of event. Um, What would you say your bike of choice, or I'm sure we have to say plural because you have so many. (laughs) So give us an idea of some of your bikes of choices. Well, so the um, uh, I have four fat bikes, which people are always surprised by. But you know, when I go la- back and look at the mileage, I probably have twenty-five thousand miles on those four fat bikes. Wow! So they're pretty well used, yeah. right? And I've raced them all. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to race uh, my uh, salsa bear grease because it's you know light, not going to be uh, you know rocky or rough and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I try to pick the bike that's uh, you know best suited for the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mountain biking. I've, I've Leadville, I've done, uh, you know, on a couple different mountain bikes. I've done it on a, my uh, full suspension fat bike mm-hmm. a couple of years. And then uh, this, this past year, I did it in my uh, truck top fuel that I have that I love. And so, you know, I spread my love around <laughs> <laughs> between the bikes. Between, uh, between my, but I, I definitely love fat bikes. I ride way more miles on those than anything else. And then, uh, you know, try to pick the one uh, that fits the situation the best, um, you know, for, for rides like... Uh, Ragbri or ride across Wisconsin or those kind of things, and and you know I have my uh, my Fatquinox to ride for that, which is a pretty uh, pretty interesting bike. I, I want to get into that one right now. So so uh, you are famous, and your bike is famous. My bike for is this. famous. I don't know about me. Well, you are because is. you own the bike, and you <laughs> and you kind of it was your vision and your dream. But for people who don't know, you do have to look it up because if you Google Fat Bike Time Trial your bike comes up and all these like amazing photos. Um, So let me give you my background on it because I don't know very much. And then you tell us a little bit about this, how it came to be. But you took a Trek TTX Equinox. You got in touch with a company called Cycle Carbon. Right. I hope I'm saying this right. You are. And you have turned this fat bike into a time trial fat bike. Right. And you call it the Fatquinox? Fatquinox, right. Fatquinox. Yep. So, all right. There, think, give it away. Tell so us. So I think you covered it. The, uh, so my, uh, if you'd asked me my favorite bike, uh, I'm trying to remember the time, probably six, seven years ago, it would have been definitely my time trial bike, right? My, my Equinox. I love that bike. It was the one I could win races on, you know, and so it just fit me perfectly. And then one year it was the state champ, time trial championships, and I was just warming up and 
just you know kind of spinning up to speed and the and the handlebars ripped off in my hands and oh, uh, are you I kidding? crashed and um, uh, luckily at a slow speed versus a high speed because yeah. uh, we were just warming up I happened to have a fat bike and because we were going on a fun a beer ride after that so I raced <laughs> I, I did the time trial on my fat bike so so you did the time trial in in yeah. a fat bike so I just grabbed that and then still did the ra- did the race oh so maybe gosh. that was a little bit of the inspiration but anyway yeah. I only owned I only owned one fat bike at the time and so I was kind of thinking about another one and and my favorite bike was sitting there hanging on the wall and then my uh, buddy drew up at cyclocarbon he and I uh, talked about a few things met at a few races and uh and we just kind of got going back and forth over the winter, and uh, I, I had some of the ideas and spec'd it out. But you know, he's the artist. He sure. you know did all, all the obviously all the work, and you know came up with a, just a really amazing uh, bike. It's it's got all the original parts, and the fact the top is really the same as what it used to be. And the oh, bottom, nice. you know, he cut up and and reformed into uh, something that's a fat bike, and so. I've traveled all over the world and, you know, I go into a bike shop and I'm like, hey, have you ever heard of uh, <laughs> this bike? And I'm always like, yeah, I've heard of it, and, you know, and, and I'm like, well, that's my bike. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's been on, a, it's got a couple of Reddit pages. It's mm-hmm. it had, our, you know, magazine articles written about it and uh, it was red and, and now, now it's orange and black when mm-hmm. uh, Drew got some new paints and it was uh, kind of early in his business and, uh, and it really, it was, it was kind of a marketing sort of thing. And now he's got... Uh, you know, just tons of business, uh, not not just because of the spike, but, sure, but it was a way yeah. to show off his, because he was just doing repairs, but it was a way to show off, you know, his artistry. You know, since then, he's d- doing a ton of paint jobs, just people who just want their bike to look cooler and, yeah. and you know, he paint, repaints them versus just doing repairs when, oh, crap, I, you know, cracked my uh, my frame in half. Yeah. Kind of thing. And does this bike still get out and race? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I did. Well, I used it on Raw the last two or three years. Okay. And for uh, people who don't know ride. Raw, so Raw is literally right across Wisconsin in one day. I mean, I think now they do a two-day two, version. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people are on high-level road bikes. I mean, they're trying to ride, what, 170? It's 230 miles now. Oh, I'm sorry, the, 230 It used miles. to be 178 when we crossed the southern part. Now that we crossed the northern part, it's... It's a little bit wider, so all the smart people are riding road bikes. <laughs> and then here's Rob in a fat, in a fat bike time uh-huh. trial bike. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's a, it's just a lot of fun, you know. And, and I ride it on Ragbri, and and it's just a, it's just a great conversation starter. And you know, I've met just a ton of people, or a ton of people know about the bike yeah. and that kind of thing. And it's just, it's just a super fun bike to have. Yeah. And to your knowledge, has anybody tried to duplicate it? Not that I know of. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I haven't I'm, seen one, but. I'm assuming it will always be a one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of one of a kind, you're definitely a guy, probably the only guy that I knew that, know that has done as many events that you have done as right. far as races. Even like right across Wisconsin isn't really truly a race, but I think you ride it as if it's a race. I mean, you're out to. It's like a, it's a, it's like a Fondo, right? Which are like, I'm doing air quotes, you know, but, uh, you know, which is, uh, not exactly a race, but it's kind of a race. Yeah. Yeah. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Well, let's get into some of the events that you've been in, and um, I want to highlight on maybe the name of the events, where it's located, and then anything fun that you want to share about them. But we do have a category that you've raced in a ton, and that's uh, on snow. 
mm-hmm. which I'm going to assume is a fat bike just right. because, you know, what else would you ride on snow? But give us some ideas of some races that you've done on snow. It was probably 12 years ago. T-Rex, Todd Erickson, you know, first got me into riding out in the snow. And uh, it was before fat bikes, mm-hmm. you know, so it was probably 2009, 2010. And we would just ride mountain bikes, you know, and through the you know, snow, through the snow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had none of the right gear and none of the right bikes, and but we still loved it. And uh, he talked me into doing Triple D, uh, which is something, uh, you know, Lance Andre has put on for uh, quite a few years now. It's uh, run by Timbra, the Dubuque. Uh, bike racing association i just started doing that you know and, and the first year i had absolutely no idea what i was doing <laughs> the next year i was a little smarter and and but that's but that's always been the kind of race i really like right one that's uh, a big challenge right one that uh you know i write a couple of paragraphs of race report you know here's what i did that was really stupid here's oh. the things that worked <laughs> sure. here's you know my clothing my food my boots my bike mm-hmm. my, you know and all that kind of stuff and then the next year i look at that right and so first two years well, the first year nobody finished, <laughs> anybody, that I did it. And then, uh, you know, I think the next year I made it half halfway and then I made it, you know, and, and then and then now I do pretty well in the race. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just keep learning over time, right? And the what triple D, it takes place in Iowa, correct? Yep. So uh, it's in Dubuque, Iowa. The D, first D is for Dubuque. Oh, the, got it. The second is for Dyersville and the third is for Durango. Oh, okay. So All right. That's where triple D comes from. It's, I think this year was pretty brutal. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it happens at a time in Iowa where it's typically really, really cold. Yeah, the second week of January, uh-huh. and, and uh, you know, in winter bike races, the snow conditions are it can make it super easy and super fast, or make it impossible, mm-hmm. right? And, and so there, this past year, we had a bunch of snow that morning, uh, and then after the snow came like a hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> it was so windy. Like the photographs I saw were just incredible. I was, my clothes were good. My bike was good. Uh, you know, I was running in third place. We walked a lot, mm. you know, pushed the bike through the snow a lot. And, you know, there's a gravel section as you get out towards uh, uh, Farley. You normally we ride right through, but, you know, we had to push through because the snow drifts were oh, like, sure. you know, foot or more deep. And the wind was just incredible. I had a, like a fully loaded fat bike when I got to the top of the uh, hill, blew my bike right out of my hands and into the oh, cornfield. Are you kidding? You know, that's how hard it was blowing. And then as we tried to, we were, we were all separated, but as we tried to ride down the road to the south, it was a really strong west wind, but literally just blow you right across the road in the ditch before you had a chance to even know what happened. And so by the time we got to the back on the trail at Farley, uh, there was a place to stop. And I was just like, you know, I never stop. Like, that's my thing. Never quit, no matter what. Right. Never quit. Uh, but I was just like, okay, this I, is just uh, <laughs> it's dangerous. It's not going to work. It's yeah. Not, you know, I don't care if it's crazy. I don't care if it's hard. But this was just dangerous, right? But now my buddy Mike Manny still finished it because he's a you know an amazing athlete. But <laughs> I think we he, should pl- n- make note that only one person finished that right, entire. Right. I mean, of everyone who did Triple D, one person finished. Right. So it's a it can be a really hard race. You know the other races. Uh, you know this year I did Discobia. I did the 80 versus the mile versus the 160. So I'm trying to get into. Uh, longer crazier colder rides here uh it was the first race i've done that had uh mandatory safety gear you had to have a sleeping bag and a bivy and oh in case you get lost uh no uh well in case you just get tired and cold and Mm. you know because this year it was actually warm which made it a lot harder in the upper 30s and raining mid 30s and raining in which race is this discobia it's in northern wisconsin oh okay got it. and uh but it can be like 30 or 40 below and so and there's nobody like that's going to come 
you know, rescue your butt. You right. got to like be able to survive. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I would like to do Arrowhead 135 uh, next year, which is up in International Falls, which is about as cold as it gets. And the same thing there, you got to have the gear to be able to, uh, you know, make it through the night so they don't have to, uh, so you'll be fine to go in the morning. Sure, right? yeah. You don't want to be found frozen stiff somewhere. No. Yeah. Nope. And then this weekend, at least while we're recording, it's going to be happening this weekend. You're going to do the Fat Bike Berkey? Yep, I think this is the maybe sixth year. I, I could be wrong on that, but it's uh, it's up on the Birkenbeiner Trail up in Cable and Hayward, Wisconsin, which is, mm. if you're a cross-country skier, is, you know, hallowed ground. Mm. Uh, it You know, when you're just driving around up there, you don't really know that there's such an amazing place back in there, but it's just like a... Just an amazing roller coaster, you know, perfectly groomed, mm-hmm. steep hills up and down, around the corner, all that kind of stuff. And so at the end of the season, they let fat bikes in there. And so there is a 47-kilometer race and then a couple of shorter races. And so it's uh, something we've been doing for a while. Uh, a bunch of us uh, go up there, rent, rent, a, rent a lodge, and, and go have fun. So definitely a, a challenging race for me. You know, I'm good at the endurance stuff, and but you know, get to be a little bit of a chicken on the high speed uh, <laughs> descents because you don't have control in the snow. Right, I was going to say, right? yeah, you're on I've, a fat bike. I've crashed pretty hard out there. I have to kind of overcome my fear and just let the. <laughs> actually, kind of funny. Last last year, one of my fellow uh, competitors, you know, I would. I would uh, pass all these guys going up the hills, and then they would all pass me going down. And, and one of the guys finally said, you know, dude, if you'd actually let your bike go going down the hills, you'd be like miles ahead of us. <laughs> I'm like, all right, if it's that obvious, maybe I better uh, lay off the brakes. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm thinking about going into this, this week's race is yeah. stay off the brakes. But be safe. But, oh, of course. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, how about, uh, so that's kind of the fat bike stuff. How about mountain bike? The Austin Rattlers at the end of mm-hmm. March, that's uh that's a Leadville qualifier, and so I'll race that on a mountain bike uh, down in Austin, Texas. Uh, that's uh, I think that's 100 kilometers mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I'll race the uh, Lutzen 99er up in northern Minnesota. Uh, that I'll race on a fat bike because there is a fat bike category. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, I used to race everything on fat bikes until my wife uh, told me to stop being stupid and only... <laughs> Only race fat bikes where there was a category, and she was right, of course. I'm trying to do that now. So then uh, this year I'm going to do a race I've never done before, but still part of the Leadville series. I'm going to do the the Tahoe Trail uh, 100. It's a beautiful area. I've never really ridden bikes out there, and so I'm going to shoot out there uh, in the early July. And then a bunch of us are going to do the Leadville 100 is actually 104 miles, but, you know, all in a day. Uh, But two weeks before that, at the beginning of August, they have a stage race where they do it in three days. And so you kind of do the first 40 miles to the big climb of Columbine, first day, second day up and down Columbine, third day from there back, right? And so there's a bunch of us are going to go do that. And so that'll be a lot of fun and that'll mm-hmm. be a good, uh, you know, warm up for Leadville a couple of weeks later. And then, uh, you know, I race here whenever the race isn't canceled or delayed because of yeah. uh, mud. There right? was a but, ton that were canceled in yeah. uh, 2019. Right. Yeah, that's right. But I, I love there's usually a marathon class, which is kind of as many laps as you can do in three hours. And so that's a great, great uh, event for me. A lot of people, at least around here in the Midwest, talk about Dirty Kanza. Right. I've never actually been there as a spectator. So can you tell us a little bit about, I'm assuming that you've been part of that. Uh, so I've done it once before. Oh, okay. I did the 100 back five or six years ago. And, and is it 100 miles in a day or until oh, you finish? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I think there's a, the 200 is the, the real race. 
Okay. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> sorry, air quotes again. Uh, real race. Uh, but there was a 100 option, and then there was a 50 and a 25 and various things. And so the, and now there's a DKXL, which is, I think, 375 miles, you know, oh because the 200 wasn't hard enough. So, Do you so, do that as a team, or do people do it as individuals? No, the, you know, the really top, you know, athletes do the 375. Wow. So you have to kind of be invited into that one. They know who you are. Ah, right? sure. <laughs> <laughs> the, this year, um, I plan to do it on a fat bike, and so you have, it's a lottery. You have to get in, and so I entered in the fat bike category. Uh, we'll see how that goes, right? But I did. I'm doing the real race, the 200 this year, and so. Uh, but you know, the advantage of being retired is I have more time to get uh, you know more miles in, right? Versus kind of more intense sure. workouts and that kind of thing. So sure. hopefully, I can be ready. And I don't think we pointed out, but that dirty Kansas is actually gravel. So yep. Yeah, it's uh, the flint. So like the gravel here in Iowa is uh, kind of rounded, right? And so it's it's uh, maybe loose and bumpy, but it's not sharp. Mm-hmm. Whereas the flint rock there in Kansas is sharp. Oh. And so flat tires and all that kind of stuff oh, is sure. kind of a, a bigger deal down there. Hmm. The year I did it, there was a crazy rainstorm the night before, and there was a three-mile section of mud where we were just caked. Each foot weighed 50 pounds. Your <laughs> right, bike weighed 100 pushing. pounds. You had to like couldn't push it because everything was clogged up, and it took I forget like three hours or something like that to get through that section. They had to like change the whole race, otherwise no one would have finished the race because oh you know we were all just so caked God. in mud. So it was like the the famous mud year. Yeah. <laughs> well, not to mention how easy your equipment could break. You know, when you get too yeah, much mud, a lot in of there. derailers got uh, mm-hmm. snapped off that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I luckily I made it, but uh, I, d- I had a, definitely an appreciation for the race, even the hundred, the yeah. little baby uh, <laughs> version of the race. And you did that, and then you still want to come back. I, yeah, 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 definitely, right. Well, the, I, 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 at the time they didn't have a fat bike category, and then um, my buddy uh, Adam Blake down at World of Bikes he pointed out to me we were doing a ride and uh, that there is a fat bike category, and he's like, dude, you should go do that. Yeah. And I'm like, they have a fat bike category? And so, <laughs> so I researched it, signed up, and I got in. So. Oh, that's awesome. So all these races that you do each year and all the training for the races, do you ever just get out on your bike for fun? Yes. Yes, uh, okay. so, 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 like, sometimes on Wednesday nights I go out yes, for fun I with a certain then, group yes. in town uh, <laughs> once in a while. Uh, I'll ride with my wife. Uh, hopefully this summer a little bit more with the grandkids, you know, pull them in the trailer oh, sure, and that kind yeah. of thing. But in a training plan, there is always, like, maybe a couple long rides, a couple, you know, like, interval rides, and then a couple just, like, recovery rides. And so those are the perfect kind of rides to ride with friends or, yeah. you know, just go have fun and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I bike commuted for... 18 years to work every day and and so that's fun i rode my bike over here i was gonna say fun. you commuted here tonight yeah, yeah right all the way here and <laughs> you've been to Cayuna, right like that's yep. on my bucket list yeah. uh, and i almost was able to go with you guys last year uh-huh. I, I didn't ended up going that's more for fun right yep. you're not racing when you're there nope you're just doing that for fun. i have done races there but oh, okay. when we go up with the family it's for fun Okay. And then, of course, um, I talk about RAGBRAI all the time on this podcast, but yep. that's something that you're not getting up at 6 a.m. to race to the end. You're enjoying nope. the experience. And, no, no. And we get up at not 8 or 9 and, yeah. and uh, take the whole day to drive, ride to the next place. And actually, you know, it's, so it's not a, like a serious hard ride and, out and, and I'll usually ride with my wife and, and go at her speed or whatever sure. speed of whoever we're with, we're with. But from an overall volume, you know, when I look at it on my training plan and the results and that kind of thing, still plenty of miles yeah and it's still usually hot yes uh, and so I'm always looking for 
for altitude accommodations, right? Mm-hmm. Come middle of August, and mm-hmm. so the heat is kind of this is really kind of the same accommodation, mm-hmm. right? To increase blood volume and capillaries, and so the heat uh, training is almost as it good as altitude good. <laughs> training. So it all works. And I should point out that you know most people on Ragbri camp like intense, but you do do Ragbri in luxury. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we have uh, four large RVs that uh, travel together. So yeah. Yeah, that's so it's probably a little bit different than some of the people are experiencing. Yeah, well, I mean, you're still putting the miles in. It's just yep. a little bit nicer that you've got a shower and a bed and a refrigerator full of food. So that's and nice. an air conditioner and an air conditioner. That's the best <laughs> part. Yeah. Uh, one more um, competitive event I wanted to touch on that I forgot to. Uh, you mentioned that you've done Ironman. Right. So uh, just maybe give like a little snippet of how that's different from doing these other races oh sure so uh i started uh, i think like i mentioned i was a runner and then i kind of got into duathlons because i kind of remembered liking bikes and and then the kind of natural progression is into you know sprint triathlons that kind of thing sure i absolutely hated swimming but i could kind of do it (laughs) barely (laughs) and then uh you know then i decided you know the kind of the natural progression like a salmon upstream right you go from the sprints to the half yeah you you gotta gotta do a full right I think it was, uh, well, it was when I turned 50, I did uh, Ironman Wisconsin. You know, I spent a year or so, you know, training for it, had a plan, you know, three bikes, three runs, three swims, and who knows, you may be able to do another one when I'm 60, we'll, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few years to think about that, but I mean, I can do, uh, I can still run, right, and I can still swim, right, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I've, you know, swam 2.4 miles at least yeah. once in my life. <laughs> there weren't many bikes left by the time I got in. I was a, I was a, definitely one of the slowest uh, swimmers by far. But, you know, as I get older, and I think, you know, when I was in my 20s, I played, you know, all sorts of different sports, right? And, and gradually over time, I, you know, eliminate the ones that I'm no good at sure. anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and now as I'm getting older, right, I'm like really focused on biking because I'm still able to, with the right training and motivation and all those kind of things, still get better. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas my my peak as a runner was, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I never peaked as a swimmer. I was going to say as a swimmer. <laughs> Maybe that one's still in front of me. But, but uh, you know, I, I just don't really focus on the things that I don't enjoy that much. You know, I always felt good after I swam. But, boy, I hated it at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> my toes on the edge of the pool staring at that cold water, you know, right. thinking about jumping in. It's like, wow. Yeah, I, I hear <laughs> I would you pray that. that I forgot my goggles or something uh, <laughs> essential <laughs> so I could go home. <laughs> well, let's focus back on the bike. If you think about it, is there like what's something that you're really proud of when it comes to like your world on a bike? I think one of the thing that's most interesting to me is uh, kind of just uh, do it for my own uh, enjoyment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that that gives me uh, something to work towards, and I'm motivated about, and I have fun doing it without really any arm twisting or whatever. I find that a lot of my friends kind of follow into the various kind of things uh, <laughs> that I've tried and you know they try them out and maybe they like them maybe they don't but but I think a, a lot of people have kind of noticed me having fun and you know maybe tried some different things that they wouldn't have tried you know a lot of my triathlete friends went and got fat bikes because you know they were miserable being on a trainer all the time in the basement during the winter God. right and so like get out and ride on their fat bike and then they've turned out they loved it right and so it's been really interesting to me see so that you know even without you know pushing it or like oh my god you, you know whatever you know just people see me having fun and and uh we're like well you know maybe I, maybe i'll try some of that you know 
and I would put myself in that category uh-huh. because you've, I don't remember how many years ago uh, that you inspired me to be better at cold weather cycling uh-huh, right. because you taught me, like I'd come in, we'd be on a bike ride and I'd have like eight layers and I'd be, my core would be just completely sweaty uh-huh. and my fingers would be frozen and my toes frozen. And you gave me some such good advice about how to, right. you know, regulate your temperature and you don't have to wear so many clothes. And I was just like, awesome. And I also think we have a mutual friend. Should we say her name? Jenny Lorenz? <laughs> no, let's, not, Jenny say, Lorenz. let's oh, not say her name. Okay, we won't say her name. <laughs> we'll just call her J-Lo. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I am keeping that in there. But, um, but she went from, I can't stand the cold, to uh-huh. now she'll be texting me saying, hey, I'm going out on a fat bike ride with the guys. You should join me. And it yeah, just right. like secretly cracks me up. But then I'm like, you know what? More power to her because she'll be bundled up correctly. And she right. absolutely loves biking year round now. Yeah, she has a comfortable range of temperature between 70 and 72, but <laughs> but uh, she's but but just like you said, I mean, and and then reflecting back on when we first started riding in the winter, we all did it. You know, at least I did it terribly, yeah. right? I mean, you, yeah. you'd be sweaty and cold. You know, it'd be like uh, the worst of everything. You'd be like freezing, boiling, sweating <laughs> all at the same time, right? And now, you know, even like I was just talking about hard this last. Um, Triple D was, mm-hmm. right? I was perfectly comfortable, right? I mean, I had the right clothes on, you know, I had yeah. a, just the right amount of clothes. I had wind layers, you know, even though it was kind of a surreal experience with all the craziness going around me, from a body perspective, everything was kind of dialed in and feeling good and that kind of thing. And that's that's something that and you don't really have to spend a lot of money. You know, yeah. you can just kind of like find the right kind of things and combine something you picked up at Walmart with something you picked up at Tyson's or Farm and Fleet or wherever or just put it together in the right way and and make it work so that you're comfortable kind of whatever temperature it is or whether it's a you know because I have a calibration for temperature and then I have a calibration for it's a race it's a hard training ride I'm screwing out with friends right I mean I you have to kind of calibrate for all those things but you can still be perfectly comfortable regardless of what temperature. Yeah. And I always, when I see you, when it's really, really cold out, I'm always like kind of shaking my head. Like he does not have enough flair. <laughs> He's going to be freezing. And uh-huh. then the next thing I see, you have got your sleeves pulled up because uh-huh. you're regulating your temperature on the fly. And right. You I mean, that's the key is to not sweat. Right. And so you, yeah. so you got to kind of like be able to adjust. I mean, I, I use my arms kind of as radiators. I mean, a lot of people do different things, but, sure. uh, you know, be able to zip or just be able to do something because, you know, the really smart fact backers say, don't wait until if something's annoying you, fix it now, right? Mm-hmm. Don't wait for half an hour until it's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. If it's just annoying now, fix it, right? If you're too hot, you're too cold, you're whatever's bugging you, fix it now. Your air pressure is too high, too low, too whatever, yeah. right? Fix it now. Don't wait for half an hour, an hour. It's not going to get better, right? That's amazing advice. <laughs> fix it now. Fix I'm going gonna, to gonna write that down. <laughs> Uh, okay, last question for you. Um, what keeps you motivated to continue the, the sport of cycling? Uh, well, I always like to, to get better, right? And so I have, I have these big races, mm-hmm. right? And then, uh, you know, I'm fascinated by my own health and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being able to manipulate uh, my body in a way that uh, suits me. And then I've got to kind of, you know, do the calculus, um, not 20 or 30 anymore, where kind of like whatever works, right? So now i got to kind of like figure out, well, can I get better fat? Can I train and nutrition and rest and all those things at a pace faster than I'm, you know, going downhill as I get older, right? Yeah. So, so that's kind of a fascinating sort of thing to figure out is, and then, and then as I get older, 
okay, well, and how am I going to have to change uh, my training and those sorts of things? Mm-hmm. And so pretty fascinated by that. And I've, I've always, um, I've always uh, tried to stay in shape uh, my whole life, right? And so, so I'm going to try to do that as long as I can. Yeah. And so uh, it, uh, biking is something I, I love. And so it's easy for me to keep doing that and to kind of keep experimenting with my own body and my own happiness and figure out how to make it work. <laughs> and happiness is important. So, yeah. Exactly. And it's it's very obvious even, sit, you know, I know you personally, but it's even obvious sitting here that you truly enjoy cycling and figuring out how it works and how your body adapts to changes when you're on the bike. It's just, it's a, it's very motivating. Yep. Yep. That's uh yeah, that keeps me busy. I'm retired. And so now it's my job. <laughs> that's a great job to have, man. Yeah. I want that job. <laughs> well, I know that you have a pretty full calendar for 2020. So I want to, you know, you mentioned quite a few of the events that you're going to be uh-huh. doing, but I am hopeful or planning to be a spectator at Leadville. So I'm hoping that I'll be there to see you get your next buckle, maybe be, two buckles. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I'll have you on the crew and I'll have some instructions for yeah. you. We'll give you some training and I'm sure you'll do <laughs> Fine. <laughs> you know, the last I interviewed a, a woman named Kristen Heath last yep. couple weeks ago, yep, I remember that. and she uh, is doing Leadville, and we were joking about it. And she's like, "Do you want to be on my crew?" And I'm like, "Oh, I, I don't want to ruin anything. I, I think I'll just be a spectator. Uh, so uh, <laughs> if I'm on your crew, it'll have to be something simple like." fill up a water bottle or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, what that might be. not be simple, you know, because there's all different kind of things <laughs> oh, I might geez. want. Okay. I think I'll just be a spectator. <laughs> I'll just cheer you on from uh-huh. afar. So. But anyway, thank you, Rob, for being on the podcast. And I uh, wish you, I guess you don't really need luck, but I just hope that you end up having a really fun 2020 as a retired professional cyclist athlete person that likes biking. Uh-huh. And grandfather. <laughs> and grandfather. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Times how many? Four. Okay. Grandfather times four. Yeah, so. Right. Excited to see uh, what 2020 brings you. So am I. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks, Kathy. Well, that is it for this week. If you have a moment, please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the Morphology Podcast. Also, check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info. You can even email me your topic ideas at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote is from The Female Hustlers. Everything that has value in life is a product of consistency, success, health, fitness, wealth, friendships, relationships, and all other aspirations are all about consistency. If only people understood how important it is to be consistent. Think about it.